Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to the Politics Guys with your hosts, Dave Carson and Michael Darnowski. Welcome to the Politics Guys. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at Northern Kentucky University. My co-host this week, as always, is Cleveland area attorney and sometime Republican strategist, Jay Carson. Here's our Ask the Politics Guys question for this week, Jay. All right. It's a, qu- right. You know, it's a question a number of listeners have asked in various ways for the last few months, and I, I kind of boiled it down to this. How good of a president has Barack Obama been, and what will his legacy be? Uh, well, he's kind of more my president than your president, I guess. Uh, right, Jay? I, he's our president. I, I, no, I mean, he is as uh, – look, I, I'm not one of these people not my president. Right, I'm no, an American no, you're not, and he's yeah. my president. But He's from my party, I guess I'll say. Yes. Certainly. I'm a bigger yeah. swore. So, you know, to me, it's hard to say right now. Uh, I think we're too close to the Obama presidency. It really, I think we'll be able to answer this question a lot better in a few generations. You probably don't want to ra- wait around that long for an answer. <laughs> you know, um, so, so tune in. Yeah, it, it's sort of tune there, in there forty the, years. You know, a, a story apocryphal about um, uh, you know Henry Kissinger and uh, uh, Joe and Lai uh, and uh, uh, Kissinger asking. Um, uh, you know his his Chinese counterpart. Uh, what do you think of the the effect of Napoleon on history is? And and uh, Joe and Lai responding, too early to tell. Yeah, um, exactly. So we're you know maybe a little like that, but yeah, but but you know I do think there are a few things we can relatively safely say with kind of a high degree of assurance. So for instance, what I think is safe to say right now is that. Barack Obama will be seen as an historically important president for being the first minority to be elected to the office. You're going out on a limb there, huh? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> let's start with what we can absolutely say, right? I mean, you obviously yes. agree. I also think it's safe to say that he won't be seen as a great president. Now, maybe you're surprised a little bit by that, Jay. I don't know. But let me explain. I'd argue that that's actually a good thing. Because we only really get great presidents when there's some massive, oftentimes existential threat to the country that the president clearly overcomes. I mean, if you look at all that, there are all these presidential greatness surveys that are done between among academics, historians, that sort of thing. The top two presidents in an average of over a dozen of these surveys taken from 1982 up until the present, the top two are FDR, who was president during the Great Depression and World War II and Abraham Lincoln, president during the American Civil War. Now, we ideally like to avoid Great Depressions, World Wars, and Civil Wars. Uh, But really, to get to that great level, there has to be some kind of big crisis. There wasn't a crisis that big during the Obama presidency, and thank God for that, I say. So, well, I, I think maybe I mean, I would I would maybe just put a different quite a little bit of a different spin on it in that it's it's the people we consider great presidents are are usually transformational yeah. uh, in a sense and and often that transformation coincides with with some big horrible event uh sometimes it, it does sometimes it doesn't but yeah i i would agree that i don't see obama as being transformational no no not at all i mean and if you kind of look at the list of sort of the the greatest presidents, i mean to me the only really great president who didn't have a a war or other huge crisis would be Theodore Roosevelt, who, as you know, Jay, is my all-time favorite president mm-hmm. for, for a lot of reasons. But, but yeah, so I think Obama probably ends up somewhere somewhere in the mushy middle, 
I'm guessing, but again, well, we won't know for, for quite a while. So maybe it makes more sense to think not in terms of greatness, but in terms of success. And so I've been over the last week or so, been thinking a lot about how to rate presidential success. And I really, I think I've concluded that for me, at least I need to consider four main things. Uh, and I love, I love lists of four, but anyway, here are the four main things, Jay, I think we need to consider. Number right, one, number, number one, one, most obviously, what was accomplished during that president's time in office? Makes sense, kind of basic criteria. Number right. two, how much of it can we fairly attribute to his efforts? Okay. Number three, how lasting or transformative are those accomplishments? And okay. number four, what was his level of support or opposition? Because it's a lot more impressive if you can get things through when you have a lot of people against you than if, you know, everyone's for you. Okay. So those okay. are my, those are my four criteria. All and right. I took that. And the next thing I did is I said, well, okay, what were President Obama's accomplishments during his time in office? And okay. I sifted through a lot of stuff. I have come up with a personal top 10 list. And I tried to rank wow. these. Yeah, well, so you got know, the four and then we got the 10. You know, okay. there's a lot going on here, right? Um, but right. I, I tried to rank these in order of significance. And of course, reasonable people could disagree with this ranking. And, uh, you know, some people might say there are things I'm leaving out that I shouldn't have on. Again, it fairly subjective. These, but, these are the top 10 pieces of factor number one of four. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So the main thing, uh, number one. Uh, prevention of a second Great Depression. I'd say that was a pretty good thing. You know, we didn't have one. He came in. There was a huge financial crisis. It got better instead of worse. Now, I don't know how much of that we can attribute to President Obama's efforts. I'm not willing to say a whole lot. I'm not willing to say none. Um, I don't think that's very lasting or transformative. And I think he actually had a lot of support in fixing that. There was a lot of bipartisan support saying, you know, so – that's number one. Number two, over 20 million more people have health insurance. I, I, would, now. I would point out that oh, the, I believe all the, the TARP stuff, which was probably the biggest piece of that, was passed before he was in office. There was there was the TARP stuff, then there was the stimulus plan that was passed when he was in office. So, yeah, the stimulus was, was his. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely, I mean, this was a crossover between two administrations, and that's why I would be very reluctant to assign a whole lot of credit or blame for this particular thing, though I'd say this was absolutely the biggest thing. Right. So, okay. second, over 20 million more people now have health insurance than had when President Obama came into office. I think that's a that's a huge thing. That's a big accomplishment, and pretty clearly, that is a that is right there in Barack Obama's lap. I mean, he pushed this sucker through. There was tons of Republican opposition. To me, the only question about this is how lasting or transformative is it? And we're going to find out uh, pretty soon. But what I think is going to happen, this is why I think this is going to last for a a while, because now that so many more people have insurance, it's going to be very tough for Republicans and the Trump administration to just strip that away. I think no matter what kind of reform of Obamacare we see, there are still going to be millions more people that have insurance that didn't have it at the beginning of an Obama administration. And I, I credit President Obama with that. So I think that is a major and transformative achievement. I think he's bent the sort of the curve on, uh, not on cost, unfortunately, but on coverage for insurance. And so I think that is without a doubt something President Obama will be positively remembered for. 
All right. So to, to me, that piece of it is uh, when we're talking about people who are now covered for, because of Medicare expansion, I think I tend to agree with you there. Okay. Uh, I think it's going to be hard to unexpand that. Yeah. Um, uh, did I say Medicare or Medicaid? I meant Medicaid. You meant Medicaid. Um, yeah. Sorry. I do that that's, too that's sometimes. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, perhaps the, the best would be if get them to a situation where they're off Medicaid and can afford private insurance. Um, but I, I don't I don't see a wholesale change in that. The folks who are in the exchange type uh, programs where you either buy insurance that you maybe don't want or get fined for it, I think that will drop off. I agree. Um, but but I'll also say, so what? Um, so, you know, sure. that's, you know, this is this is a situation of, of uh, uh, you know, people just making choices in the marketplace. And sure. They, you know, and choose, and, and so. we've, we've talked about this, you know, in, in the past before. We're certainly going to talk about this a lot in the future as a Republican uh, repeal and replace plans go. But I think, again, both of us can agree that, yeah, millions more people have insurance that didn't. And that's likely to stick around. It, it was the the legislation was as Joe Biden famously said a big effing deal. So yeah, absolutely. Okay, so number three, a reformed financial system due to the Dodd Frank financial reform legislation. You didn't think that uh, uh, an episode would go by without me talking about financial reform and especially my you love your financial my, reform. My favorite agency. You know what it is, Jay. Yep. Yep. The Consumer, the, uh, Financial, Consumer uh, Protection, Protection yes. Bureau. Yep. Uh, uh, that is one of my favorites. I talk about it a lot. Now, it protects this, consumers by collecting money for the government. Well, that's not quite how it works. But anyway, um, but my point is, is that Dodd-Frank, while it wasn't nearly everything I would have hoped it would have been, it was uh, compromised legislation like all legislation is. I think it did uh, a, a significant amount of good. And uh, even though it's been somewhat defanged and more of that's likely to happen, I consider that a major and positive contribution of the Obama administration. And I know you would disagree with that. I think he would have made a much bigger contribution if he had not had Dodd-Frank, if you hadn't had these additional Ooh. regulatory costs, uh, additional yeah. uh, change, additional uh, hampering of the financial system, it would have recovered uh, more quickly and more robustly. Sure. Absolutely. I, I would expect no other statement from you on that than that. Yep. Um, okay, number four. We'll definitely disagree with me on this. Uh, a climate agreement with China that made possible the Paris Agreement on climate change. Now, that's definitely uh, Obama an Obama, you know, push thing. Uh, that's definitely something that he had a lot of opposition to. But also, I would say it's it's fair to say that that is definitely not at all going to be transformative and, and last because it's pretty clear that under a Trump administration, a lot of that, most of that momentum is going to be reversed. It wouldn't have been transformative or lasting anyway because it was it was all entirely symbolic. But, okay, well, yeah, we, we But it's, it's an agreement. It's an agreement nonetheless, yes. Okay, number... All right, moving along. We're out, yeah, we're on number five. Um, getting Osama bin Laden and getting us out of Iraq and Afghanistan. Oh, dear. What, you you think we should be in Iraq and Afghanistan still? Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> um, well, then, yeah, we definitely disagree on that. I think it's good that we brought almost all of our troops home. Now, of course, we all agree on Osama bin Laden, but... I, I, but I, ISIS thinks so, too. Yeah, but, but with, <laughs> I mean, well, I, I guess I see what you're saying. Uh, I, I guess I feel like we shouldn't have been in there in the first place, at least not in Iraq, certainly in Afghanistan, uh, and those things maybe we can talk about separately, but that's definitely an achievement that the Obama administration talks about a lot, and that even though I disagree with certain parts of their foreign policy, I think getting us out from a military standpoint was a good thing. And and certainly there was some opposition to that. Um, All right. Number, what am I on? Number six, economic growth and job creation. Now it hasn't been as fast as most people would like, but certainly the economic picture has improved significantly. Uh, unemployment is lower. Uh, labor force participation is, is better. Economic growth is better. Not what we'd like to see, ideally, and I would hesitate very much to attribute a whole lot of this to Obama administration policy, so I would say this is a good thing, but I'm always very reluctant to attribute this sort of thing, general economic growth, to any presidential administration, even though they love taking credit for it, whether it's Republicans or Democrats. Well, that's, a very, that's a very enlightened statement, I think, way of looking at it. Yeah, well, you know, I can be so. enlightened a little bit at times. So. And not, not, I mean, I would also say, look, when, when people talk about the Obama measurement, they, it just happens that they're measuring from, you know, sort of the almost all-time low sure, of, of the last century. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that so, helps. you know. But it's, again, it's, just like... You've got the, the stats are going to work in your favor. Just like I think it's, you know, it's it's uh, unfair. I, I felt it was unfair for, for Democrats to say, well, President Clinton should, should have taken uh, credit or did take credit for the great economic boom of the 90s. I think a lot of times economic booms and economic busts are driven by much larger factors. And I think one of the big problems is people who are so involved in politics tend to think that politics is a much bigger mover than it really is when there are these, you know, private forces, these market forces, technology, globalization, other things that are much bigger movers of change than whatever government happens to do or not. And and so right. Amen. and Amen. so yeah, you and I absolutely agree on that. So whenever a president says, well, economic growth improved under my watch and that's because of me, I sort of roll my eyes, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican. All right. Number seven, greater equality for the LGBTQ community. I think unquestionably this has been a win for the Obama administration, something they decided to push for a lot through a lot of opposition uh, from, from Republicans. And there's no question in my mind that life is better for millions of LGBTQ people now than it was in 2008. Would you agree, Jay? Uh, I, I think no, I think so. Uh, I would differ. I mean, maybe you're going to get to this as to how much Obama is responsible for it. Okay. Well, I, I think I think certainly his his administration. I mean, to me, the biggest the biggest is the the uh, gay marriage decision by the Supreme Court. Right. Um, but the Obama administration did not particularly have much to do with it. Uh, there, in in fact, he he stated early on, you know, that uh, marriage was between one man and one woman. Um, as did Hillary know, Clinton, then their views evolved as the, as as the polls that, changed. And then, yeah, and then, exactly. Then of course, sure. evolved uh, after a second election. Um, so, I mean, if you want, if you want to credit him for for sort of making that statement that sort of uh, creates more acceptance of, well, of LGBTQ, but again, I think it's it's almost like look that that goes more to 
you know, Will and Grace and, and Modern Family and, and Project Runway. And I mean, those well, sort sure. of other cultural forces. That I, I agree. Anything that the president did. I agree that uh, President Obama maybe uh, followed more than led on that, but he wasn't at least trying to stop progress on that. Once he saw where the country was going, he was willing to go along with that and support that. Whereas, uh, you know, other presidents, certainly if we'd had like someone like a, you know, like, uh, not going to say Marco Rubio, but a Rick Santorum type person or, you know, a number, any number of Republicans who very much would have tried to stop that. So, uh, you know, that, that I think is, you know, where I see the Obama administration contributing, though I think you're right about larger social forces. Okay, number number eight, uh, reform of a number of uh, bad, racist, corrupt, uh, inefficient, uh, uh, ineffective inner city police departments. And we talked about this on the show on Sunday, you know, Pretty clearly, he appointed a number of attorney generals, uh, uh, first Eric Holder, then Loretta Lynch, who have moved strongly in the Justice Department to, to investigate some of these departments. They found some pretty awful stuff, and these departments entered into these consent agreements, and I think they have many of them have changed for the better. I think that's a win all the way around, uh, and I think that was a great thing that the Justice Department under President Obama has done. And I give him that's that's pretty much all President Obama's Justice Department. That's you know I, that's a major win. I think. Your yeah, thoughts? Fair enough. And okay. I'll, I'll say that's I would look at that as let's let's work in progress. Okay. Okay. Fair uh, enough. To the extent that there is is uh, racism and inefficiency and and so forth, uh, that's that's a work in progress, and and we'll see where it goes. But right. okay. Number nine, an opening. Number nine, number nine an opening with Cuba. Uh, I, you know, we've talked about this in the show in the past and over the last couple of years, really, President Obama has made that sort of a priority to try to open up diplomatic relations. We now have real diplomatic relations in Cuba, something we haven't had in, in generations, really. And, you know, I've, I've said in the past that I think this is a smart move because number one, the, the Castros are, are dying off now. And, and number two, after generations of essentially a failed policy, we're trying something different. And I think it's a, I think it's a great idea, this sort of, this sort of positive engagement. And I, I, uh, and again, in a Obama administration that is just chock full of foreign policy, Failures. I think this is one thing I can look to and say, yes, yes, this was a smart move. And I think this is going to set the stage for a much better relationship with Cuba in the future. And I think it's a great thing. Jay. Wow. I, I mean, I, I think we looked at he looked at the uh, the last uh, sort of foundering uh, old school communist regime uh, that was on his last legs. And we reached out and said, what can we do to help? Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think it's. I don't. I don't see what the U.S. interest uh, is. If we're going to have some sort of positive engagement, uh, which would would mean um, uh, championing civil rights uh, in Cuba uh, and and creating a free society there, I think that would be great. Uh, but I haven't seen that that happen yet. I think it's more just been a sop to uh, left wing uh, academic and American tourists uh, and to the Castro regime. So uh, yeah. I, I don't. I don't see what. Uh, what we're we're getting out of that? Um, I see it as I see it as yeah I see it as laying the groundwork 
for when a, a new regime or a new administration comes into power, and that's going to happen before you know too long. Raul can't live forever. Um, uh, sure. Fidel certainly tried. And when, so, when do you think they're going to have elections? Well, you know, I think it's going to be a while. But it's been about about seventy years now, right? But, I mean, but uh, again, you know, we if you try something for for decades and decades and it doesn't work, maybe you try something different. But again, we obviously we fundamentally disagree on that. Let me move on to number ten, another foreign policy thing. Putting the brain. Yeah, when's, when's Raul Castro up for re-election? You know, again, I, they are not a free society. You know, okay. neither is China, but we engage with them. Um, All right. And a number of other societies. Anyway, number ten. Finally, putting the brakes on Iran's nuclear program. Now, again, I know you're going to disagree with this a whole lot, but I, uh, Iran was within you know, months of having nuclear weapons. And while the deal we made with them was far from perfect, God, God knows, far from perfect, at least giving us some time and some breathing space, I think, was a good thing. It wasn't, it, it was the, the best of all bad deals I think we could make. And uh, again, I had to look far and wide to find Obama administration foreign policy positives, successes, and this was the other one I found. Oh boy! I, you know, look. I, if 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 we're working on the assumption that we put the brakes on the the Iran nuclear program, then I would say that that uh, would be a um, uh, a success. But I, I think what we maybe did is traded the option of working with a pre nuclear Iran uh, to dealing with working with a post nuclear Iran. Uh, down the road. I mean, you could be right, and I, I absolutely acknowledge that. You know, what, we, what we had the opportunity to confront them before they had nuclear weapons. Yeah. The next time we do confront them, they will have nuclear weapons. Yeah, this this is a gamble. You know, you're right in that respect. What certainly could happen is that, of course, they they entered in this agreement because it freed up billions of dollars for them, and they're they're hurting in a lot of ways, and. It certainly could mean that once this runs its course, that they just move full speed ahead and have nuclear weapons, and so we end up worse off than we started. I absolutely acknowledge that. I, I think this was, on balance, a gamble worth taking, but you're right. It could turn out to be a, a, a total loss. This, again, is one of these things that I hesitate to call it a success because we really won't know about this one for you know for, for quite a while yet in the future. So, Okay, those are my 10 successes. I think it's also fair. We need we need to talk about failures. Jay, I thought you could probably talk a little more convincingly about that well, than I could. I got. I mean, man, I got a list. I, I bet mean, you, you do. Your whole ten. You had your whole ten laid out, and and. Well, you know, let me let me. I will I will talk about time. some failures. Let me talk about one. I haven't, name. I haven't done a multi multi factor multi list thing. You know, it's um, me. I'm a professor. I just kind of do that well, sort how, of how thing. About, how about this? Let me let me throw out a couple big ones, and these these are just going to be in general general themes. Oh sure, yeah. yeah. Um, first, I think there was a tremendous wasted opportunity. Uh, we said that, you know, Obama's success, that he is, in fact, the first black president. Um, there was a tremendous opportunity to be that first post-racial president. Uh, and I think it was wasted. Um, it was wasted in, in a lot of little ways, like the, uh, the Professor Henry Gates, I think the cops acted stupidly, statements, uh, it was wasted uh, in, in during the Black Lives Matter uh, eruption of, of, of the police violence. He could have had, you know, what Bill Clinton had when we called they called it the, the sister soldier moment. Um, and 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 he didn't. Uh, and I think and I think we're unfortunately more racially divided now uh, than we were when he took office. I would say certainly we were. 
because there were, were plenty of, of Republicans, myself among them, uh, who said, look, I'm not crazy about this guy's policies. I think he's a, you know, standard, uh, standard issue, liberal politician. But, you know, look, we can all as a, a nation celebrate the fact that we have elected uh, a, a black president. And that's that's tremendous. Uh, that's something if, if people had said 100, 150 years ago, would that ever happen? No. Sure. Um, but I think he had that momentum and, and uh, he, he didn't do anything with it. OK, well, I, uh, he allowed he allowed those voices of anger um, uh, to to supersede the voices of of uh, of reconciliation. Okay. Well, I guess I, I'd say if being post-racial means that uh, uh, we would expect an African-American president to ignore racism, I'm glad that he wasn't post-racial because I think there is still plenty of institutional racism in this country. And President Obama pointed it out when he saw it. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad he did that. And I think that minorities have benefited where, a lot. Where, where is the, the institutional racism? In, that, in that, big city that, police forces across the country, for instance. Okay. I think right. uh, would be one great example. So anyway, go but ahead. In Ferguson, I mean, not in Ferguson. Though. In Ferguson, I I mean, absolutely. There, there. I mean, the Justice Department report, I think, was was pretty clear that Ferguson's police police force was uh, essentially, a, you know, a, a dumpster fire. And uh, now that the the individual incident precipitating it, that's a different story. But once those incidents caused a just or led to the Justice Department investigations, oftentimes they found that these police departments were incredibly dysfunctional and there was uh, systemic institutional racism in these departments. And that's changed right. in many but cases that, but, for the but better. But that wasn't related to the incident. No, the incident was to basically the triggering of that. Absolutely. Right. Go ahead. Well, um, no, I'm, I'm saying that there was no, there's no indication that the racism that was subsequently found uh, after they went looking for it was related to the incident. Right, I see what you're saying, but I guess I'm, I'm I take your point, but I think that without the incident, there would have been no impetus to go looking for it. Well, you know, I, I think if if being post-racial means that you ignore institutionalized racism, systemic racism, particularly in those many many big city police departments, then I, I wouldn't want a post-racial president. I think he called out racism where he saw it, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, and and I would just as a, a final. Uh, point on that say just as important as is seeing racism uh, and calling it out uh, where it is it's I think just as important uh, to say where it isn't and and that's what what troubles me in, in a lot of these cases is uh, the allowance of the continuing of, of its race its racism um, that's that holds us back and I think Obama was in the position where he could say uh, no the uh, on on this incident in Ferguson, it, it, it you know, and I I shouldn't say maybe he shouldn't have weighed in on Ferguson because I'm not crazy about him weighing in on local things, but um, to to recognize where racism isn't. Okay, you know, and I think that's I see important. what you're saying. That's what he he, okay. he alone could have done. Okay. Um, and it would have it would have mattered, but he we missed that opportunity. All right, you know I, I see what you're saying there, and and I think our two views aren't necessarily incompatible on that, and I think there there maybe is something to that. Fair enough. All right, um, what other Obama failures do you have? Uh, well, foreign policy. Yeah, um, where, where to start say, with that? I would say that's a failure. <laughs> the, the the biggest uh, thing I would point to would be the the Middle East. Um, you know, you mentioned the pulling out of troops of Iraq as a, a uh, success. Uh, I think the failure to negotiate a, uh, a, a agreement where we remained for at least some period of time um, 
was a failure. Uh, it left a vacuum that allowed ISIS to uh, to grow and thrive. Uh, related to that was the failure to uh, acknowledge the the insta- instability threat that ISIS uh, created in the region. And again, I'm not going to say is ISIS a threat to our national security. No, not in that way, but it's certainly a destabilizing force in the world and particularly in the Middle Middle East. And uh, when ISIS began, uh, you know, Obama famously dismissed them as the JV team uh, and did nothing about it. And and now they're in a position where they control sort of the the better part of two countries. Um, The red line in Syria, uh, which then followed uh, uh, or is related to that, uh, where he indicated that we would take certain action, uh, and then we didn't. It, that allowed the Russians to step in, uh, reassert their dominance in, in Syria, which I think is now now complete. Um, and this, this of course, ties into then the refugee crisis from that, that Syrian civil war. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think it's, it's hard to find something good to say on, on that front. We already talked about the Iran deal. Um, before, before we get to other things, let me just say that in large part I agree with you. Uh, we got along okay with Canada, I yeah. guess. But, well, no, you know, I, mean, I, I agree with you in large part on on, on Syria. Certainly, I think that the, the policy was irresolute. It, you know, it, that pretty clearly, you, you, we should have done, we should have acted much more strongly, much more quickly. Uh, my sense, in many ways, is that President Obama's foreign policy was too reactionary. And what I mean by that is a sense of a reaction to the Bush foreign policy, which I thought was too aggressive and interventionist. And in fact, a lot of Republicans, including Donald Trump, would agree with that. But I, I think perhaps President Obama, in light of that, let the pendulum swing too far the other way. And so to me, that's the single kind of big meta failure of his foreign policy, at least in, in the Middle East, is that, uh, is that he went a little bit too far the other way in a bit of an overreaction. That's not surprising to me. And certainly, I think it's important to point out that the Middle East has been a big giant mess for a long, long time. It's a hugely difficult region. But still, I, I think that there were some pretty significant missteps there. I agree with you entirely. Sure. Uh, moving to Eastern Europe, Europe. Um, <laughs> I mean, the. I think again, um, as much as the we're under this new sort of red scare now, um, you know, Obama showed. I mean, I think when you say reaction to the the Bush Bush presidency, I mean, maybe there's something to that. Obama, I think there was this idea that, um, look, let's just be nice to everybody, and they'll be nice back to us. And An oversimplification, but yeah, yeah, I that's think dangerous, that's dangerously sure. naive. And and again, the Democrats love the word nuance in foreign policy and so forth. So we we handed the Russians a a a button, uh, uh, a mis misspelled, mistranslated button, uh, based on some uh, goofy office supply commercial that uh, in America that they've never seen. And uh, I mean, imagine Medvedev said, "What the hell is this?" Uh, when they Hand him a button, and and again, looking at Cold War history, who hands buttons to the Russians? Um, but, but, you know, I think that was just a little bit of stage of that, stuff. I mean, that right, exactly. It, but regardless of all that, that silliness, this sort of uh, reset. I mean, it it didn't work. And uh, but doesn't uh, every administration Russians, come in saying that, Jay? I mean, they say, well, we're gonna, especially to our, the people that we don't get along with, we're gonna reset relations, and and, and you know, no. you don't think so. 
No, I don't. I don't think so. Oh, wow, I mean, okay. I, I think we, I think we say things like, uh, um, you know, listen, we're we're going to keep where we are because because the bigger you know piece of of things like U.S. and Russia and in foreign policy, these are things that are moved by forces that are are beyond uh, our domestic politics. Sure. Um, and, and it's going not going to change uh, from administration to administration. Um, and and again, the you know in in uh, in the 2004 election, the Obama again mocked the whole idea that Russia was was anything but a, a good buddy, and and by saying, oh, you know, the 1980s called, they want their foreign policy back, which was hilarious. Uh, and then Russia invaded Crimea, um, you know, and, and and Obama made the statements to Putin again, not the the mic that we didn't know was on. Of look, after the election, all more flexibility. Uh, at which point in Putin's mindset, sure. super, I'll invade Crimea then. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think I think you're right in the sense that it, it seems to me that the last couple of presidents have thought that they could reason with Vladimir Putin and sort of deal with him. And, and we could probably all – I mean, George Bush, you know, uh, famously said he looked into his eyes and saw – I don't know what he saw exactly there, uh, a swell guy or something I like think, that. I think he said someone who, someone he could work with. I there you go. And I think, I think that's what, you know, George Bush thought that. Barack Obama thought that. Pretty clearly, Donald Trump thinks that. And so far, Vladimir Putin has proven that that's just simply not – the case well regardless i mean this is we're doing the show on obama not bush sure uh, no absolutely so, so so there we go um any other failures yeah. that you can think yes, of? yes yes uh, <laughs> no course. i mention it um, <laughs> uh, we also going back to the middle east uh i think we we abandoned our best friend and perhaps only friend in the middle east in, in israel uh, mm, particularly geez. in the last week abandoned um God. and that's and that's that's going to be a problem um, if we don't have uh, Israel uh, supporting American interest and America supporting Israeli interests. Uh, I think the Middle East is going to get much uglier, yeah, uh, I, much I, quicker. And 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 this this goes back again. This also ties into the Iranian deal. Sure, uh, it ties into uh, the statements about the settlements. The the uh, UN. Um, uh, uh, vote, uh, all these things, which, which to my mind, again, there was, there was no reason for it. There was no, there's nothing that, that furthers our national interests. Boy, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't. And, and it, it also, and it sends the message to other allies that, you know, look, we might not have your back tomorrow. And We're I think have that's your, a dangerous thing to, uh, to, to say in foreign policy. I, I think with friends like that, you know, who needs enemies? Uh, I think they have been the – I think they have been one of the one of our worst friends. I think they've been, uh, you know, our, our friend that, that violates international law with impunity. I, I just think that you're right that all this is interconnected. But I think that almost nothing in foreign policy in the last generation has caused us more grief than our – than our irrational level they are, of support they are for our Israel. friends who who stopped both Saddam Hussein from having a nuclear weapon uh, by now and stopped the Iranians from having a nuclear weapon by now. And, and, and again, we're we're going to fundamentally disagree. I think we've made so many bad decisions because of our friendship with Israel. But uh, but I can certainly understand how from 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 your perspective you would see that as a as a failure. Uh, any any other failures? Boy. Um, well, and look, we're we're running long here. <laughs> I, I think on the the uh, finance, the stimulus reform. This the stimulus was the you know biggest amount of money in it, and I I 
want to go back and double check this number, but there was something of the fact when it was passed that, you know, this was more money than we had ever spent uh, ever uh, as a government uh, at, at one time. And I don't think we got much bang for our buck on that. Um, you know, we were promised shovel-ready infrastructure projects. That didn't happen. What what we got instead was, was uh, you know, cronyism like Solyndra. Um, and, and this amount of money, when it was people were talking about it, I remember economists were concerned, geez, this could overheat the economy um, because we have this huge cash influx. And it – uh, it didn't. Uh, it didn't really move the needle much. Um, there were silly things like cash for clunkers, uh, which was a, a fun thing to say. Um, but what it did was increase the price uh, for used cars for people who couldn't couldn't afford new cars. Um, you know, there were just a lot of really ill-considered things that if if he'd allowed the economy to recover without this this inter- intervention, or if he was going to intervene made that uh, more strategic and actually sent it to, you know, what would have been, in his words, the shovel-ready projects, we would have gotten a bigger bigger bang for our buck. Uh, we would have had a quicker and more robust recovery. Um, you know, gosh, I mean, I look, I talk about this, you know, Obama's failure sort of all the time, so I don't want to belabor the, the Sure, we're the just looking at the greatest hits or missions. Those are my, again, and I didn't do a whole list there, but that's – that's my my big themes, I guess, uh, foreign and domestic. Okay, so overall, what would your final evaluation? Let's do it on a on a zero to ten scale, with the zero being uh, I don't know, like a we're talking a president that would be somewhere around uh, I don't know who would be who would be your zero president. I, I'm guessing something like uh, what uh, Woodrow Wilson, Andrew Johnson, um, yeah. uh, Warren Harding, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, and a, and a ten would obviously be like a like a Lincoln. We can both agree sure. on Lincoln. I would rank him him as number one. I'm guessing you would too. Sure. So where do you put Obama? Uh, I would say about a six. About a six. Well, okay. So so you and I really aren't that far apart. I mean, I give him. I think I give him a seven. Uh, you know, okay. and so it wasn't a it wasn't a great the great greatest success in the world. But I think that President Obama did. Moved the needle on some things, did a reasonably good job, and uh, wasn't everything I could have hoped and dreamed for. But I, I'm I'm overall satisfied with his presidency. Okay. Well, again, we'll we'll agree to disagree with that, and and uh, um, you know, again, my my six. I mean, that that's a D. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 mean I give him a C, right? That's, that's so I'm, that's why I'm great. Maybe we're we're misunderstanding our our our. Grading scale. No, I don't there. think so. You say basically he wasn't a uh, he wasn't a failure, but you call him a near failure, and I call him kind yeah. of mediocre. So I, I would say he he had he came into office with so much uh, political capital, uh, so many expectations. Yeah, and don't think so, and in a lot of ways, you can say you can say, look, yes, the economy had just tanked, um, but that's sort of a blessing almost. You know, it's sort of a hey, I've got. Um, you know, you're almost in a situation where you can't get any worse. And, and I think that the TARP uh, uh, plan had stopped the bleeding um, or, or at least reduced the risk of, of an immediate, you know, another financial crisis. Um, and he had all that and, and wasn't able to capitalize on it. Uh, and I, I think to me that's – if I were to say one, one theme, it's sort of, you know, lost opportunities. Okay. All right then. Well, you, you're right. We uh, we did cover a lot of uh, 
so-called failures, I guess I call them, and, and successes. But uh, that is about uh, all the time we have for today's episode. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you have any questions for future episodes or just any thoughts, comments, or criticisms, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at mail at politicsguys.com. Our Facebook page where we post stuff throughout the week is facebook.com slash politicsguys page. We're also on Twitter at politicsguys. Of course, we'd appreciate it if you could subscribe to the show, leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you're listening, and sharing and retweeting our new show, posts and tweets, also helps out a lot. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can do that through the PayPal or Patreon links on our website. And finally, if you enjoy the show, you should definitely check out the Politics Guys weekly newsletter. You can take a look at previous newsletters and sign up to have it delivered to your email inbox on our website, politicsguys.com. We'll be back with a new show next Wednesday. We hope you'll join us.